Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is a special edition of the Chop Shop. I am, as always, your host, Luke Dorse, the Charm City Center. And with me, as always, my tag team partner. And the man, the Maryland City Saint. And uh, this is a special, uh, special episode. We uh, have something big going on here. As always, we're a pro wrestling podcast here on the Alliance Pro Wrestling Network. And um, it is my absolute pleasure to introduce you to you, the Murder Hawk, the man, Mr. Lance Archer from New Japan Pro Wrestling. What's up, guys? I, I gotta say, and I, I told you a little bit before this, uh, but I really want to reiterate again, you had an amazing G1. Um, your matches have been stellar, uh, especially, um, you know, recently we've been, you know, just been watching all your work, and I gotta say, we are thoroughly impressed. Thank you very much, guys. I appreciate it. Very, worked, worked hard to yes. change the minds. Oh, yeah. Um, so I guess we'll, we'll jump right in here. Um, I've been following your career pretty much, uh, I mean, since the early TNA days. I'm an old wrestling fan going back about 35 years, so I've been watching wrestling as long as I can possibly remember. Pretty and much all combat sports. Yeah, and especially when, we, um, when we've got the opportunity to talk to you, we right. couldn't pass this up. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's cool, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah, so basically, um, you grew up in Texas, is that correct? Yeah, yeah, born and raised. Born, born and raised. raised. You still live in Texas these days? Yeah, yeah, in the Dallas area. Outstanding. Were you a fan of pro wrestling when you were uh, growing up? Um, you know, I started watching it probably, uh, I want to say like, I don't know, 92, 93. You know, my sophomore, junior year in high school is when I really started watching it. Because, you know, some people grew up with it on TV their whole life. And I don't think I remember seeing it on TV on a regular basis until Nitro was on, you know, mm -hmm. uh, uh, TNT and all that stuff. So, you know, I didn't get to watch wrestling as a child. You know, my earliest memory of wrestling, surprisingly enough, is when, you know, The Undertaker locked uh, The Ultimate Warrior in, the, in his coffin. And yeah, I remember that one. I just couldn't breathe. <laughs> and I have no clue why that's a memory or why I was watching when I was watching that. Maybe that's why my parents stopped letting me watch. I don't know. But, you know, <laughs> I, I didn't watch again until, you know, uh, WCW Nitro and the whole, you know, Monday Night Wars were kind of kicking it off and going on. Well, I guess first impressions definitely, uh, they take the cake, you know? <laughs> yeah, I asked because uh, there was, you know, wrestling was so prevalent in, uh, you know, in the in the early 80s and the mid-80s all over the Texas, you know, in territory days. You had, you know, Fritz right. in Dallas and the Funks in Amarillo, um, Paul Bosch in Houston. So Texas was always like a pretty big wrestling hotbed. So that's why I asked. Very cool, though. Very, very cool. Did you uh, do any amateur wrestling in high school? Were you a football player, basketball player? No amateur wrestling, but yeah, I did play football. I mean, that was my original, you know, dream. I guess was as a kid and going into high, you know, high school and college was to play football. You know, I was a quarterback, and that was really one of that was really my only focus. And it wasn't until I got out of football till I, I started focusing on wrestling. I uh, you play college ball, right? Well, I was I was on a couple teams. Uh, I threw a lot of passes on the sideline, but I never actually played. Oh, that's all right. Oh, you're a quarterback. Yeah. Oh wow, outstanding. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. So I guess it was after college. Is that when you made the move to uh, decide to be a pro wrestler? No, not after college. I just had gotten out of football and oh, okay. still wanted to do something more athletic. And, and, you know, I enjoyed wrestling. And I was working in nightclubs in Austin, Texas. And uh, the guy who owned the club that I worked at, um, he knew a guy that had 
randomly opened up a school in Austin, Texas and introduced me. And, you know, I went out for a tryout. It was the most painful thing I ever did. Kind of tried to get out of it, but the guy made it, you know, financially affordable. So, you know, for a poor college kid, and I just told him what I thought I could pay, and he agreed to it. So, you know, luckily that, that came to be because I was trying to back out of it because it hurt so bad. But um, luckily he made, you know, it affordable, and I couldn't really back out anymore. And so, you know, I stuck with it, and it's, it's been pretty good. So, like, you're, you would say your training regimen, especially, you know, learning the craft, so to speak, was kind of intense. I'm sorry, ask that again? Uh, like, you're, I said, so basically you're, you, the, the training regimen that you had, you know, to learn the craft was pretty intense. Um, yes and no. I mean, I, I, my training was probably not the most structured and uh, good, I don't know how else you want to put it. You know, some places... <laughs> are traditional schools and they have actual training regiments and they have classes of students and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, Shawn Michaels wrestling Academy was in San Antonio when I was, uh, getting into the business actually got offered to go to their school, but the the price for their school was way too high for me to pay for it. Um, but the place that I went to was literally just me and one other guy and the guy who trained us, uh, just kind of the three of us, beating each other up doing pro wrestling you know on a daily basis or about every other day because i had to drive about a 45 minute hour drive uh to and from where i was going to school um you know and so it was it, it was it was good it was hard it was intense to degree but it probably wasn't what a lot of guys go through you know speaking of new japan pro wrestling where i'm at now you know what these kids go through you know in the dojo systems whether they're in la or in japan or wherever you know, if I'd had to go through it that way, I don't think I would have stayed in the business because that, that is some serious, serious dedication to the business. Oh, yeah, it looks like it. Just hearing, uh, I'm a pretty big fan of New Japan. I've been watching New Japan uh, as much as I can for a good 20 years, I guess. A good 20 okay. years. Yeah. I, I remember when you first got there, um, I guess it was, uh, what was, uh, Kojima was, uh, was the Kojima goon. And uh, what in Taka and uh, Tai Chi turned on him, and I just found out recently you were the first guy, Gene, in um, in Suzuki Goon. Is that right? Yeah, I was one of the original four members. You know, was, uh, like you said, Taka and Tai Chi turned on Kojima and joined Suzuki, and then they brought me in pretty soon after that. And that was the original four of uh, Suzuki Goon: was uh, Suzuki San, myself, Taka, and Tai Chi. Oh, outstanding. Yeah, I'll get back to that in a few minutes. I was still want to talk about some of the early days in Texas. I know you worked at uh, PCW. Is that right? That's a Texas independent promotion. I believe they're still around, right? No, they're not around. They're not? Uh, oh, okay. You, you are correct. It was PCW, Professional Championship Wrestling. Um, based out of Dallas, Texas. was the reason I actually moved, moved to Dallas. You know, once I finished college, graduated, and I didn't really have any reason to stay in the Austin, uh, South Texas area, I was driving to Dallas about weekly because they were an independent company that ran a weekly show and had television in the Dallas-Fort Worth area and stuff like that. So that was my motivation actually to move into the Dallas area with, was with PCW. But um, they sh- shut down the wrestling aspect probably around 2011 or so. Um, the family that used to own it actually runs an MMA company in the Dallas area called XKO now. Oh, okay, that's probably why I got confused. Okay, I thought they were still around. Okay, cool. Thanks for clearing that up. Appreciate it. Um, after that, you were in TNA, right? I remember you went by the name of what Dallas. Was that right? He was Dallas. You were Dallas, right? In TNA. Well, I had three names in TNA. But right, I know. My yeah, first, first name in TNA. Right, right, right. Okay, gotcha. How was it working in TNA in those days? 
Um, you know, it was actually probably one of the better times as far as I'm concerned with TNA. Um, it was a growing period. It was a company right. that was, you know, at the time there was no other competition to uh, WWE, you know, and so it was a company that a lot of people were paying attention to because they wanted to see what they were doing. You know, some of the main guys in, in WWE right now, like AJ Styles, <clears throat> Bobby Roode, guys like that were all a part of early, early days of TNA. Absolutely. You know, and you 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 had like you know the three three uh, LK uh, with Ro, uh, Road Dog and uh, Conan and uh, Ron Killings or Truth and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So you had a good mix of you know veterans and a, a lot of newcomers, and I was one of those newcomers. And they originally tagged me with Kid Cash and gave me the name Dallas. Right, um, right. And that was in two thousand four, March of two thousand four, when I got hired. You know, it's was, it was actually a pretty interesting story how the whole thing came about because I actually got a tryout in uh, late two thousand three. Um, went in and uh, wrestled Don Harris, who was in, in charge of he was in charge of the whole backstage area and whatnot. And, um, we really didn't have any time to communicate, but we went out and had a really good match. And then fast forward, you know, two or three tryouts later, and I was driving up to uh, Nashville and. Um, didn't know it. I guess they'd email me, but this was, you know, in the earlier days of email and stuff, so you didn't have it on your phone. It wasn't just readily available all the time. Um, so I didn't even know until I got to the building that I was actually on the actual Wednesday night paper that they were doing. Um, I thought I was going in for another tryout explosion match as they used them back then. And, you know, luckily did a really good job with cash that night. And, um, you know, they offered me a contract that night and, got to work with the company for five years saw a lot of its early growth you know going from just the wednesday night pay-per-views that we were doing in nashville at the asylum to the very first time that we were on um you know uh, impact was on fox sports uh southwest or fox sports networks across the nation at the crazy 3 p.m uh wrestling time um you know and then on into the when we first started with spike and all the original uh, uh, regular pay per views, you know, that we were doing, you know, the first Bound for Glories and the first, sure. yeah, those were good times. Stuff. So, yeah, they, they were good times, but you know, there were also times, unfortunately, for me, in my opinion, uh, a lot of the guys that were kind of the backbone to the company, yeah. the, the guys that you know hadn't been anywhere else yet, uh, but were kind of names within the company and were helped building up the company every time the company took a step forward, you know, whether it was from Fox Sports Spike or one hour to two hours or, you know, we're starting to do monthly pay-per-views or whatever the case was. It was like every time we did that, the company went, Oh, okay, we're doing something bigger. So we have to rely on names of the past mm-hmm. more readily. And they would basically put a lot of us on the back burners, you know, and say, thank you for what you've done, but we've got to go this direction with these guys right now. And we'll get back to you. And, you know, a few guys they got back to, but a lot of guys they didn't. Did they create a lot of animosity uh, behind the scenes with that? No, I don't think there was any animosity. I mean, I think if you have animosity towards guys in the business, because we're all just working really hard, and, uh, you know, uh, there was never really any animosity towards the guys that were coming in and getting a paycheck, uh, but it was just the company itself, like I said, that would, because they were the ones making those decisions, you know, whereas, you know, we did a three-month period where, uh, between Fox Sports and Spike, were a three-and-a-half, four-month period where we weren't on TV, we were just broadcasting everything on the Internet, and doing our monthly pay-per-views, um, you know, and so they weren't bringing anybody else in, and they really leaned on all the, the originals of the, the company, the TNA originals, and then as soon as we went to Spike, you know, they brought in several named guys, and um, I personally, you, you can't be mad at those guys, because, yeah. you know, if you're in the business, you're working, and if somebody's going to pay you to go out there and wrestle, 
you do your job, you get, you take the job. Um, you know, there was a lot of guys that were mad at some of the bigger names that were making extremely good money, uh, while some of us were barely making enough to put gas in our trucks. Um, but you can't, in my opinion, you can't really get mad at them because if they offered you the same money, you'd, you'd take, take it, it immediately. Yeah. So it really wasn't all, there wasn't animosity towards the wrestlers. I think more it was towards the company. Yeah, coming from a fan perspective, it was around that time, um, it just, uh, it, TNA kind of made me tune out a little bit. I was a pretty big fan of TNA during that time. I think I, uh, around that time, 2011, around that time is when I started tuning out and started paying more attention to different promotions uh, around that time. Yeah, basically I, the same I, I, thing, I was yeah. By then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was, uh, I remember catching New Japan. Uh, we, I was still getting it on, on uh, however I could at the time. Um, it was, it was still not as accessible. It, I remember when it first came on, uh, on Axis TV. So that was, that was a pretty big thing over here for us, getting New Japan on Axis TV and then doing the American broadcast when they had Stryker and uh, Jim Ross and everything. But I always tried to follow New Japan as best I could. I've, I've been reading The Observer for years and everything. So, yeah, seeing you over there was really cool. And, um, well, hell, you've been working tags over there for, what, almost the past eight years now with uh, Harry Smith. Now this is the first time you branched out on your own. So, I mean, how's well, it, how's, what's the difference, you know? I mean, I know you worked originally uh, single before when you were in Sukigun before. You know, you did some stuff right. in the G1. So this was your first G1 in, what, since 2011 or 12? No, I did 11, 12, 13, and 14. Okay, that's right. Okay, We went to me. NOAA for two years. Right, back. right. I had the injury, um, and then the year before that, or year after that, uh, they just didn't put Harry or I in it. Um, and so, yeah, this is my first, this was my first one in, in basically five years. What, uh, is there any differences this year than in previous years with uh, some of the guys that were in it, or just the feel of it alone? Oh, yeah, absolutely, completely. You know, um, from the time, the last time that I did it in 2014, you know, the company was just starting to do some access stuff. Um, New Japan World, I think, I don't think New Japan World had taken off yet. Um, Maybe not in the States, know, yeah. Um, you know, it was just one of those things, like, I remember we left for NOAA for those two years, and then when we came back, there were so many more people watching New Japan, whether it was through Access TV or they'd purchased the New Japan World and all that stuff. Um and they were, you know, there was a lot of people like made comments like, oh, my, I didn't even know this guy was still wrestling or when did he and Smith start tagging and things like that. You know, and Smith and I had been tagging since 2012, two time IWGP tag team champions at the time. Mm -hmm. And there were a lot of people there like, oh, well, when did they put those two together? You know, and stuff like that. It's, it's just funny because there were so many more people watching it. And then, you know, again, um, I got injured and wasn't able to compete even for the possibility of competing in the G1 in uh, 2017 and then 2018, they just didn't put us in. It's, the company's just continued to grow. I think they just, you know, broadcast uh, that they had the highest grossing year that they've ever had in the company's history uh, since 1972, and that's an amazing thing. Absolutely. Um, and, and you helped contribute that. to that. <laughs> What's that? And you helped contribute to that. Absolutely, absolutely. So, I mean, just you're asking, you know, was there a different feel? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I think the last one that I did, there were we, we did a uh, nine matches in eleven days. Um, you know, and it was an insanely intense schedule. Mm -hmm. But now, um, you know, you know, every single match, every single night had you know A and B block. Pretty much every match on the show was, uh, um, <coughs> excuse me, G one matches and whatnot. And now, you know, it's 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 spread over about a month more, you know, five weeks this year. 
um, you know, 19 different shows. You know, you do an A block one night, a B block the other night. You break things up with some tag matches and whatnot. Um, you know, and it's like I said, this year we started out in Dallas, Texas, which was the first time ever that the G1's been outside of uh, Japan and stuff like that. So when you ask if it had a different feel, absolutely. It, it's it's as big as it's ever been, had more eyes on it than they've you know ever had on the product. Um, and the wrestling has not disappointed in any way from top to bottom. Um, and some of the best top-notch wrestling in all of professional wrestling. Yeah, it is the best wrestling in all of professional wrestling. How was it for you, uh, especially being in, in Dallas? You know, was you know coming home and having you know the G one in Dallas. Did you have a lot of friends and family there? I assume. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it was really, really special for me. You know, I mean, I worked really hard and really diligently to try to do everything I could to help the company make it a success in Dallas. You know, um, you know. Our company has a lot of very passionate fans. Mm-hmm. You know, we had we had about five thousand people show up to the American Airlines Center, and when you look at that in the American Airlines Center, you go, "Oh, that's not that good because it's such a big building." But the five thousand people that were there were hardcore New Japan Pro Wrestling fans. Um, you know, so we weren't just filling the building with casual fans and people who remembered wrestling when they were kids and brought their kids just for random sake and whatnot. We had 5,000 passionate fans in there. And then for myself, um, you know, we're talking about PCW earlier. You know, I started in Dallas in like 2000 and uh, a little after 2000. And then, you know, 2002 is when I moved to the Dallas area. You know, I've been wrestling around Dallas, even on the independent circuit through my TNA days and even in New Japan, because when I'm not in Japan, I get to work around here still. So there's people who've basically seen me start in this business, grow up in this business you know, go from my TNA days to my short stint in WWE and then all the time in, in New Japan and whatnot. And, you know, a lot of people who only remembered my, my PCW days because that's the kind of fans they were back then. And, you know, so a lot of people came that were fans and friends from so many years past. And then for my family, you know, I, my, my mom and my family and my nieces and all them, they all came and they were sitting about four rows back from where the announcers were. So I could actually see them from the ring. And, you know, it was just one of those cool, cool experiences. And then to go out and get to perform with somebody like, you know, Will Ospreay, who's absolutely one of the best wrestlers in the world in Mm -hmm. all aspects. Um, And, and to be able to keep up with him, step up with him and, and, you know, not lose a step and not be just kind of an anchor in any way, but actually be a surprise to a lot of people as to the ability that I still had, you know, 19 years in this business. Yeah, we were thoroughly impressed with that match. Oh, yeah, match. you blew me away with that match. <laughs> yeah, you totally blew me away. I was totally invested in everything you did in G1 after that. I was always a fan. I mean, I've mean, i been a fan of yours for years. Uh, probably, I think the first time I ever was really, you know, appreciated, you know, your work. I think it was the match you and Harry did in one of the earlier G1s. You worked with Harry in one of the earlier G1s, right? You guys wrestled each other. Yeah. yeah. We, wrestled, we, we wrestled each other at the Sumo Hall. Uh, right, last right. Night, uh, like 2000. 13 or 14, I'm not sure, I can't remember. Yeah, that blew me away. So I've been pretty much a pretty, pretty a fan follower for a long time. Yeah, but the Osprey match, uh, that, that totally blew me away. And that, that whole crowd was really cool, too. It didn't seem like your regular, uh, like an American crowd, or like an American independent crowd. It seemed like it was a good, smart crowd, like you said, a, a loyal New Japan crowd that knew all the guys, knew, right. knew the moves, knew everything, and they were real appreciative, and... Everybody oh, yeah. worked their asses off that night. It was a real good show, and it was a great way to start the G1. Oh, yeah. I mean, you couldn't have asked, like I said, you know, there were, there were a lot of uh, things that the company has to work on as far as the show is concerned. 
Um, but as far as wrestling is concerned, I mean, e- even the preliminary matches, the tag matches that they did were all top-notch high quality. You know, they got all the different stars. Um, and then, you know, every single one of the G1 matches, you know, like I said, I think Will and I have to be proud of ourselves to be the very first match in the entire G1 Climax 29 and to start it off the way we did, you know, uh, and like every every single match that night, all five matches leading up to Okada and Tanahashi, um, you know, I think we're just absolutely top-notch. And, you know, it's one of those things like the, the wrestling fans that came and the wrestling fans that watched it on TV, uh, we're not disappointed in any way as far as the straight-up wrestling was concerned. Oh, no, I wasn't disappointed at all. <coughs> I'll jump back uh, real quick. Um, how did you uh, first get uh, tied in with Suzuki Goon anyway? When you uh, back in 2011, when you started to work with New Japan, how did you get tied in with that particular group? Did you know Minoru uh, from any time before, or did um, did well, did just the company put you there, or did you kind of say, "Hey, I want to work with these guys"? How did that all kind of pan out? Um, I, I think the company just decided to put me there, but at the same time, um, funny enough, I have a, an interesting history with Suzuki in Japan. I've, I've wrestled. Uh, for many years, uh, independent companies. Uh, I wrestled one tour with All Japan back in 2009. My, my first time ever in Japan was in 2007, um, and it was just an independent company. And the match that I had was a tag match, and it was me, and I don't even remember the guy's name, against Suzuki and whoever his partner was. Oh, wow. And I remember, and I remember this very specifically because I remember I, I didn't know anything about Suzuki, his history, you know, the lore that is Minoru Suzuki, <laughs> the badass that is Minoru Suzuki. And I remember, you know, he had my partner like in uh, an arm bar or something like that in the ring and nothing was happening. So I ran in and I kicked him and he didn't do anything. He just turned and looked at me with an evil look. It was kind of like, you know, get the F out of the ring, kid. And I just went, yeah. And I kind of walked out of the ring. I didn't know what to do. You know, it was one of those things where, you know, he, he just had such an aura about him. It was really cool. And then, I think he wrestled a couple of the more of the independent shows that I did, and then uh, fast forward to 2009. Um, again, I'm still with New, J- or excuse me, I'm still with uh, TNA, but I'm I'm working over in Japan. Um, I go and do a tour with All Japan, and he's actually the Triple Crown champion at the time. Right. Um, so you know he was there in the company when I was working uh, All Japan, and then like I said, fast forward into my time with uh, uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling. You know when I started in 2011. They put me in Suzuki Goon with Minoru Suzuki. You know, it was, it was kind of like I said, an interesting history that it all kind of came full circle. Being that, you know, my first match ever to wrestle in Japan was against him, and when I was in All Japan, he was the Triple Crown champion. And now, you know, I'm in a group with him, and, and still am for, uh, you know, eight plus years later. Oh, that's fantastic! That's a real cool story. That's what's up. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um. I also, uh, you also mentioned when you guys invaded Noah, and uh, you guys were really, really dominant that year. No, I guess it was 2015, 2016 time frame. You were real, real dominant that year. No, that whole invasion angle worked real good. And then when you guys came back, it was, uh, it was a big thing when Suzuki Goon came back to New Japan too. And I guess that time you guys been working, you and Harry have been working pretty regularly since then. And now you're back being a single again. Um, is there anything that you're looking to do now that you're pretty much a mainstay in the singles division in New Japan? Anything you want to like strive towards, or is there a particular championship you got your eye on, like a uh, the U.S. title or the Neverweight title or the Intercontinental title or the heavyweight or title. the heavyweight title? Yeah, yeah. For me, it's uh, it's you start at the top and you do you know you you take what you can get when you get there. But you know, I'm 
my focus is to be a part of whatever championship they have. You know, obviously the IWGP Heavyweight Title. Yep. Um, it's a it's a long road for somebody like myself who's, who's been with the company for a long time, but at the same time, you know, has been primarily a tag team guy. Uh, now had a real opportunity in the G1, and like I said, I, I think the company put me in the G1 as a reward and a respect level. You know, Osprey and I had a really good match back in the uh, New Japan. Yeah, Cup. it was fantastic. This um, one was the one of the G1 was March. better though. Well, I'm sorry? The one in the G1 was better. <laughs> they were both really great, though. Well, yeah, I'm just saying that that match, I think, opened their eyes. To oh, yeah, I believe it. actually do some single stuff, um, you know, and then when the, the, they decided to make the decision and put me in the G1, I, like I said, I think it was kind of a reward for that and for my time with the company and so on and so forth, but I don't think the company thought they were going to get what they got, you know, and I took it upon myself to do everything I could to kind of change my stars as i kept saying mm -hmm. you know i decided to change my image i was changing my style i was trying to step up and adapt to more of a 2019 style of you know wrestling and whatnot um <clears throat> it's just one of those things where you know i wanted to do everything i could to kind of change everything about who i was who i'd been into something new and and, and something bigger and better and so for me like i said moving forward you know i i'm hoping that the company sees all of that and what i did and, and gives me that chance to uh really step up and whether you know it's just the never title or the u.s title or the ic title or on into the, the heavyweight title you know i have a lot of road ahead of me to prove to them and the wrestling world that i belong in each and every one of those pictures including the uh heavyweight title so you know it's, it's a long road but i have my eye set on all of them that's awesome, man. The one question that I have is if you had your choice to wrestle right. anybody in the world right now, regardless of promotion, who would it be? Anywhere. I mean, for me, because I am in New Japan, it would have to be Okada, who's the champion. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? That, that's my focus. You know, there's. I think a lot of guys go out there and they put out lists, and there's a lot of amazing wrestlers out there um that i would love to step in the ring with you know there's you know brody king is a great wrestler you know look at some of the big guys kind of the hybrids the new generation of, of big men in the business mm -hmm. and, uh you talk about the brody kings and you talk about the luchasauruses and guys like that and the different companies you know uh there's a ton of guys you know that are in wwe that uh, it would be fun to work with but my focus like i said is is the top spot the championship so you know if if Okada's our champion. Okada's who I want to face. Seth's the champion. I want to face Seth. You know, uh, you know, so on and so forth as far as championships concerned. Kofi Kingston, uh, Chris Jericho, uh, you know, uh, Matt Taven. You know, whatever company that is the top guy, that's the guy I want to step in the ring with. So that I can prove to him, to the world, and to everyone that you know that I'm I'm a damn good champion myself. Mm -hmm. Oh, hands down. The match you had with Okada in the G1 was really good. The match you had with Kenta was all your matches. They were so, they were really, really good. And I haven't been able to uh, stop putting you over with everybody I possibly can. Uh, seriously. One more question before I let you go, Lance. No, I love no, I love your theme music. I absolutely love it. Where did the Everybody <laughs> Dies come from? Um, <clears throat> so a, a guy named Taylor uh, out of Canada has his own band. I'm sorry, Taylor, if you hear this. I don't remember your band's name. Uh, but Taylor basically just randomly like kind of messaged me on Twitter, I think, one time, maybe half halfway joking about the idea of making theme music or something like that. So I direct messaged him, and I was just like, are you serious? Can you do this? And he's like, oh, yeah, absolutely. So we just kind of started coordinating and, um, you know, 
uh, Smith and I had a sponsor in Japan and he kind of helped uh, fund the situation and you know he created the whole everybody dies uh, theme song you know and now I'm still using it you know even as a singles player um, it, it, it's a really cool song it's a lot of fun it's pretty catchy and uh, I think it fits me pretty well oh it absolutely does fit you really well and uh, I guess I'll let you go. Is there anything you want to plug that you got coming up besides? I know you got the big show, the big tour this weekend. You got anything else coming up this real soon, Lance? Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate it, man. Uh, you know, obviously people can reach out to me on Twitter, at Lance Hoyt, or they can go to Facebook. It's under Lance Hoyt, or my Instagram is Lance underscore Hoyt. Um, these are all the places you can to, to watch me and see what I'm doing. I promote myself pretty much daily on there as far as the shows I'm going to be a part of. Uh, like I said, we got the New Japan tour this weekend. Um, next weekend, uh, I'll be touring the United States by starting out in the Rhode Island area with Beyond Wrestling on uh, Thursday the 3rd. Then I'll be flying out to Des Moines, Iowa for the Wrestling Revolver. Um, and then I'll be flying out to Los Angeles for uh, the Cactus League. Um, so I'm going from one side of the East Coast to the West Coast in three days. And then, you know, I have, uh, I'm scheduled to go back to Japan for uh, King of Pro Wrestling at the Ryogoku Sumo Hall on the 14th of October. Um, and then so, many, so much more suburban fights in Los Angeles um, on the 8th, 19th of October. And then just thinking, just keep rolling and rolling and rolling, man. Yeah, that's what's up. I've seen on the KAS International uh, on there. I follow them on Twitter. I've seen you have a, something to do on the thirteenth, like a, a bowling. So people can come go bowling with you. And uh, is that what's, <laughs> yeah, the, what's that all about? If, if you're in Tokyo, Japan, you can come bowling with me. <laughs> We're gonna do a bowling uh, kind of a. How know, cool would our, that be? Have, <laughs> that's cool. We have a fan club out there, you know, because it was KES at the time. The the fan club is called the Killer Friends Club, KFC Club. Uh, <laughs> You know, so we we were still right now. It's still kill, uh, Killer Elite Squad International. I think it's going to be changing soon, just to be kind of more general. Um, but it'll still be working with myself, possibly Harry, just on separate situations. Um, but this one, like I said, it's it's a bowling that'll bowling uh, a night of bowling with the American Psycho, the Murder Hawk Monster. You know, and we'll see what happens. Well, man, thank you again for this. This has been an absolute pleasure. I cannot thank you enough for doing this, and I'll let you get back. I know you got a big weekend ahead of you. And, uh, so thanks again, Lance. I really, really appreciate you doing this. Uh, yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on. All right. Well, uh, have a good evening, all right? All right, guys. Y'all have a good night. All righty, sir. So that was it. The I Wow. That's all I got to say is, is absolutely it's just wow. Lance Archer, you know, once again, thank you very much for the interview. We greatly appreciate you giving us your time. Uh, but Chop Shop, oh my God, this was great. Oh, absolutely. This was, this was a big thing. We uh, want to send out a lot of thanks again. Lance Archer for giving us a half hour of his time. I know he's got a busy schedule up here in, uh, over here on the East Coast for the weekend for New Japan, and he's got to fly back in October to Japan, like he said in yeah. the closing and moments interview. And Lewis. He's a busy guy. <sighs> This is a great thing for us, and uh, we hope everybody enjoyed this interview. It was yeah. a lot of fun for us. But did you hear, you know, you know who decided to try and get in on the action, right? I did, yes. Freaking Waldo. He did. He was, we started hearing him again. And I'm like, no, we're in the middle of the Lance Archer interview. Waldo, you can, you know, you can, you can pipe down. So, but yeah, um, like uh, we originally said in the last part of the interview, check us out uh, on Facebook and... Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, that's it for this If you don't follow podcast. Lance Archer, give Lance Archer a follow on Instagram and Twitter. 
Check his stuff out. New Japan World. He's one of the best big men, one of the best wrestlers you're going to see going today. I can't put the guy over enough. He's the man. He is the man. Danny, thank you as always, my friend. He's my brother. Next week, AEW Live. Chop shop. Be there or be square, Beavis. <laughs> <laughs>